just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. On today's Minnesota, we are going to be talking a little bit about how language works and how to properly read the Bible. And uh, some tricks of the trade that um, I'd say kind of the grifter class will try to use to try to convince someone that they know more than you what the Bible says. Uh, such as James White. I got James White pulled up, and I got this uh, very good video. James White destroys James White on John 6.44. And in this verse, it shows James White continually making points that he later claims that he never made once he's, uh, he, he's put face-to-face -face with Greek scholarship, people who understand Greek. Then he starts claiming he didn't make his previous claims. And one of the things he does that's pointed out in this video is he appeals to the Greek, and, and it's, it's irrelevant. The things that they appeal to in the Greek are irrelevant for their point at hand. What it, what it is typically is a, oh, look at me. Oh, I know Greek. See, I, I grabbed this random Greek thing. I'm going to give this little Greek point, although it has nothing to do with what they're trying to prove. It's just a, a signaling signaling of their their uh, scholarship basically that's what they're trying to do they're saying oh i know greek so let me talk about this irrelevant thing and now you could see me as a greek scholar while i bait and switch you with this other point that's not proved from my evidence so we're just going to go ahead and hit play on the relevant section in this video james white destroys james white on john 6:44, and this is posted by how to be a Christian. So the one who sent me draws him, and I will raise him on the last day. Yeah, he went Greek. He likes to do that in his casa. Casa means house in Spanish. Anyway, this is the exact same thing that Mr. White always tries to use to just blow smoke. He goes Greek. He's like, look, I know Greek. You don't know Greek, right? So listen to me. Anyway, we looked at the him, him thing in our update video. Again, you can check that out. The him thing does not help or hurt either side in this conversation. The reason I brought that up, though, is because I wanted to show you that Trent Horn pointed out the same thing that we pointed out. What Mr. White is teaching, all those who are drawn are raised up by the sun, is not taught in this single verse of John 6:44. When Mr. White heard Trent Horn point that out, he stuck with verse 44, and he said it was painfully obvious that it was there. It is, it is painfully obvious. When we pointed out the same fact that Trent did, that it's not found in just that one verse, Mr. White went to that same argument about the hymns in verse 44. And why is it that only now, when Douglas Beaumont said the same exact thing that Trent and I said, which is that Mr. White's teaching is not taught in John 6:44 alone, that Mr. White finally decides to change his tune and say, you know what, guys, I never said it was just in 644. Ignore the past. Don't pay attention to anything, recordings or otherwise. In regards to John 644, after he tried to say, well, there's nothing in there that says everyone is drawn is raised up. Yes, there is. It's the same hymn. Don't pay attention to the facts. Just listen to what Mr. White is saying now. I don't go to John 644 and just and then try to put stuff together. Yeah, I'm not buying that. But what changed? Why is it that Mr. White is suddenly taking the pressure off of John 644 and saying, no, it's it's all of John 6 now? I've so this is just one example of many in which people purporting to be experts turn to the Greek to try to increase their credibility to make unrelated claims 
has nothing to do with the Greek that uh, they're talking about. It's a bait and switch. You need to be very careful about it. Uh, I'm going to let you into uh, a little tip. Languages tend to have very similar functions across various language. Uh, so prepositions, for example, have wide use. Michael Heiser, he's a Greek expert. He says, uh, never base your philosophical dogma or your, your theological dogma based off of prepositions. So uh, the people who want to say, oh, the names were written before the foundation of the world. And, you know, it's oppo, and so it's better translated since the foundation of the world. But they, they're really insistent that that verse is translated in a specific way based on the specific way that they want to use that preposition. Uh, we should be very wary of people trying to treat language as if it's wooden. There, there's firm fixed structures that must always be the case. There's not leeway and uh, variance in how words are used, how phrases function, and uh, just how, how verses are put together. No one verse is really going to sit on its own. And really, the context is the only thing that's going to give it definitive meaning. So we also need to look outside the context of that one verse. If the Bible says, curse God and die, that's not a command for us to follow. We look at the context, and it's a character in the story talking to a specific per per person for a specific reason. You don't want to take it out of context. And, and if you look the, at the original Hebrew, it says, bless God and die. That doesn't make quite as much sense as the idiomatic meaning of the word bless God, which is curse God. Because in the Bible, the writers did not want to write any curses against God, so they would flip the word. They would use euphemisms and idioms. And idiomatic language is common to any language subset. We're, we're going to actually kind of see that a little bit going on here with this uh, second video I'd like to review about Mark 13, 32. The verse which says that Jesus did not know the day and hour of the return of God. And there's this, this guy, I like this guy. From everything I've seen about this guy, I like this guy. Uh, his channels don't convert to Islam. Um, yes, I agree. That's probably not a good idea to convert to Islam. And he's responding to an Islamic claim that Jesus is not God because Jesus didn't know the day and the hour. Because uh, in this guy's mind and in the Islamicist's mind, Omniscience is a necessary attribute of God, and so if God doesn't have this omniscience, then he's not God. So he's going to respond in an interesting way to this verse, which is worth considering. It's worth considering. We're going to hit play. Now let's first read what Mark 13, 32 says. Here Jesus says, quote, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, end quote. The Muslim apologists who read this verse love to point out that God knows all things, yet Jesus didn't even know the time of his second coming, so they claim he cannot be God. Now it's important to mention right at the beginning that when we Christians want to quote the Qur'an, Muslim apologists are quick to point out that the original message of the Qur'an is in the Arabic language, and that every translation is simply an interpretation of its Arabic meaning. Well, for Muslims who want to quote the Bible, they should follow that same line of thinking. And so, when we look into the meaning of this verse in the original Greek, we come to a fuller and more correct understanding of what Jesus actually meant. 
And we'll conclude that, because the Muslim apologists are generally ignorant of the original Greek, it's no surprise they've misunderstood what Jesus meant. They're so, uh, going to the original language, um, is should, in your mind, anytime someone turns there, it should broaden the scope of possibility. It shouldn't delimit the scope of possibility, uh, because language is more flexible than we give it credit for. If I say, uh, the, the example I use often is, if I say my wife is the most attractive woman in the world, well, well, that phrase, it could be, it could be me saying that she looks the best, or it could be that the men are attracted to her more than any other woman on earth, or it could be just me saying, using a romantic gesture that, uh, although maybe she's she's getting older, that I'm more attracted to her than anyone else. It could be tongue-in-cheek. It could be just a flat-out lie. Context determines meaning. Simple phrases in themselves are not going to give definite meaning. And turning to the Greek, it should expand the scope of what's possible and not narrow it down to say this is now the definitive meaning. Language is flexible, multiple interpretations can be had. So for him to say that we understand the verse better and we, we get it narrowed down better by turning to the Greek is probably a bad assumption, but I do I do like what he does try to do with this verse, although I don't think it works in context. So let's, let's hear it out. Your misunderstanding revolves around the Greek word edo, which is often translated as the Greek verb to know. But, as we see here in Strong's exhaustive concordance, it's used in different ways, and depending on the context, sometimes it means to tell. A good example of one of its various meanings in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Here the Apostle Paul says, quote, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. End quote. Here, the same verb is being used, but in a declaratory sense. Paul says he's determined to know nothing, meaning to tell nothing or declare nothing, among those people except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So here, the Greek verb only means to tell, to declare, to reveal, or to proclaim, despite its translation of to know. Does that mean that Paul only knew about Jesus and had absolutely no knowledge at all about anyone or anything else? No, of course not. Paul was not denying that he also had knowledge about other people or things. What he was actually saying was that he decided not to proclaim anything or anyone except Jesus Christ. Now, getting So that that's an interpretation right there. So he turns to uh, the Greek and he says this word could have a variety of meaning. And I found one of the meanings which I do like. And now I'm going to take that meaning, I'm going to apply that to this verse, and then I'm going to claim definitively that Paul was not only using it in this manner, but using it in this manner for the precise reason that I'm claiming that he's he's using it. And you might have wondered what that little little trumpet sound was. I was pulling up a little clip from uh, Hogan's Heroes. That's an old show. And there's, there's this German guard guy, Sergeant Schultz, and who's really famous for, for saying, I see nothing. I know nothing. Uh, and so... Uh, in one clip, uh, I'm going to just try to play a little bit of it. He he gets kind of like threatened or something like that. And then uh, he steals the tank oh? from the Panzer Division. Oh, he brings it here into the barracks. Oh, I see nothing. I was not here. I did not even get up this morning. <laughs> and so we could, we could see how language is used in this clip. 
So this Sergeant Schultz is saying that he knows nothing, he sees nothing, and how he's using this phrase, this idiomatic uh, language, is to say, to signal to everyone in the room that he's going to deny things if asked about it. So it, it seems to me more probable Paul was using the language in this sense. In the example that our friend, um, don't convert to Islam, uh, I, in the sense that uh, he points out that Paul was using this. I decided to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified, meaning that Paul, he's not, he's not going to entertain other notions until the fundamentals are proclaimed. It's not saying that he doesn't actually know them, um, but he's he's more likely using it in the Sergeant Schultz way is I'm for all practical purposes, purposes acting and behaving in a manner consistent with me not knowing anything except for this one fact, because this is the most important fact, even though the audience can pick up on the cues, the context of what's happening, they could understand the idiomatic language. So it seems to me that's the actual way Paul is using. And we're, we'll not discount don't convert to Islam, his reading of it. Uh, he wants to use the word that I declare, de Paul saying, I decided not to tell you anything. He's using the word in a sense of proclaiming. And then he wants to use that proclaiming and apply it back to Mark 13, 32. So he might, he might have a case with the reference to Paul. But I do not think he has a case with uh, imposing that interpretation back to 1332. Let's see what he says. Getting back to Mark 13.32. When we read this verse in agreement with the various meanings of the Greek verb we've reviewed, we come to know that Jesus wasn't saying that he doesn't know the day or the hour. Rather, he was basically saying, But of the day or hour, none will make known, or cause you to know, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So the true meaning of the verse is much clearer now. Another important point to consider is that those people closest to Jesus, the apostles themselves. So that's a, that's an interesting claim, and it's a plausible claim. He just made a case that the word is used in the sense of no one's going to proclaim those days except for the Father, meaning the angels probably know it, and, and the Son probably knows it, uh, but the Father is just the one that's going to declare it. So does that work with the context? This is where reading comprehension comes in. Reading comprehension trumps. It trumps everything else. It trumps our, our Greek skills. It trumps us turning to the original Greek and, and looking at word definitions and, and uh, saying, oh, this word could mean this and it could mean that. If the context is clear and that the thing is being used in a certain way, you should default to that way being used. Yes, yes, language is flexible. Yes, uh, certain phrases uh, no one knows can mean different things depending on context. It could mean, as Paul uses it, that he doesn't proclaim it or pretends not to know or on the face value practically doesn't know, although he might understand and know internally. It could be used in that way, but does the context support that usage? So let's actually read the context. Our friend, our friend, he's a, he seems like a good guy. I like him. I don't know, Mark 13, 32, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only in the Father. Let's keep reading. Let's perchance, just keep reading on and see what else is in there. Be on guard, keep awake. Oh, so now, now it's telling us to be alert. For you do not know, huh? I wonder if that no 
is the same Greek word. So we'll turn to our King James Plus that tells us uh, different uh, different word usages. Oh, it's from the G1492. Hmm. G1492 is used in Mark 30. Oh, it's the same word. So you don't know. So do we do we not proclaim or do we not know, right? Wh which is going on here? Is it we don't tell anyone? Well, it, maybe maybe the context tells us specifically. So it says be on guard, keep awake because you don't know. So you be, have to be alert because you don't tell something? No, it's because you don't know something. You're you're watching out for it. You're looking out for it. It's like a man going on a journey. Oh, so it's now how it's going to be illustrated for us. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know, you do not proclaim, you do not say, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. So you don't know at what time frame the master comes back, and then it gives examples of time frames that you don't know whether or not he's going to come back at. Lest he comes suddenly and find you asleep. So you might accidentally fall asleep because you don't know the hour and the time. So I think the context is super clear in this case. Uh, we have an example in our friend. He's our friend. Don't convert to Islam. Of, of misuse of Greek of language for ideological reasons. He really wants to prove that Jesus has omniscience. As if Jesus is a baby, pops out of Mary, and like knows everything. Oh, and uh, it's like, I can do math. <laughs> not as if uh, Jesus grew in wisdom uh, within the Gospels. That's, that's, that's not, a, not, not a phrase. It grew in favor with God. So Jesus was a person and, and was in all respects like a person, as Hebrew talks about. Uh, in that way, he can die for our sins if he wasn't like us he couldn't die for our sins per hebrews per hebrews not not saying that this mark verse has anything to do with that but just keep that in mind as you're trying to make these deity claims against jesus if deity can't be human um then the bible is is uh, unintelligible it's unintelligible if we hold to these god making attributes Found in Greek religion, not found in the Bible. So that's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to talk about the misuse of Greek. The misuse of Greek. The misuse of uh, turning to the Greek to try to narrow down meanings rather than to expound on possibilities. And, and you know, I, I don't think I do this ever where you turn to the Greek and say, it can't be this and it must be this. What, what you say is it's probably not that. And it's probably this, based on the way this is used and the context, and then how it fits, how it flows, what points being communicated. And I just, I just don't see that in this uh, video by our friend here. And James White does it all the time. He does it probably for different reasons than this guy. I think this guy's an intelligent man. I think he's, he's, he's learned a few tricks of the trade, how to pull up Greek dictionaries, how to make a case that words mean different things in different contexts. This is just a pretty bad application because the context pretty clearly and definitively points to a different use, and it does so in detail. It's very thorough in how it talks about this knowledge. Uh, so it, it was a tactical mistake by our friend. But 
It, it was an interesting point. He does bring up a lot of good points about how language can be used in different contexts. And if this verse was standalone without context, uh, yes, you, you have to give him the possibility that his reading is correct. I don't think it's probable, though, because of the context. Anyways, questions, comments, put that down below. Thank you for listening. Oh, 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 oh,